0: Our scripture this morning comes from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 8, beginning at the 26th verse. An angel of God spoke to Philip and said, be ready to set out at noon along the road that goes to Gaza, a wilderness road, a desert road. So Philip began his journey. It happened that an Ethiopian eunuch A court official in charge of the entire treasury of Candace, the ruler of Ethiopia, had come to Jerusalem on a pilgrimage and was returning home. He was sitting in his carriage, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. The spirit said to Philip, Go up and meet that carriage. When Philip ran up, he heard the eunuch reading Isaiah the prophet, and he asked, Do you understand what you are reading? How can I, the eunuch replied, unless someone explains it to me. With that, he invited Philip to get in the carriage with him. This was the passage of scripture being read. You are like a sheep being led to slaughter. You are like a lamb that is mute in front of its shearers. Like them, you never open your mouth. You have been humiliated and have no one to defend you. Who will ever talk about your descendants since your life on earth has been cut short? The eunuch said to Philip, Tell me, if you will, about whom the prophet is talking, himself or someone else? So Philip proceeded to explain the good news about Jesus to the Ethiopian eunuch. Further along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there is some water right there. Is there anything to prevent me from being baptized? The eunuch ordered the carriage to stop, and then Philip and the eunuch both went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of God snatched Philip away, and the Ethiopian eunuch did not see him anymore, but he went on his way rejoicing. Friends, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. This morning, I give thanks for the incredible perspective of theologian D.B. Thomas, whose words and whose work provide our reflection on this morning's scripture lesson. When we read the story of Philip and the Ethiopian from our scripture this morning, we're invited to consider a question. Really, this question could apply to much of our pondering in this post-Easter season. What difference does the resurrection make in the way that we live and practice our faith? Is the world of the empty tomb, the world of the risen Christ, substantially different from the world that came before it? Is Easter a mountaintop experience that we can enjoy, however briefly, and then leave behind as we return to our regular day-to-day lives in the valley? There are many ways that our scripture this morning is a story of conversion. Of course, we learn about the Ethiopian and the ways that the good evangelist Philip shares the good news, and the Ethiopian eunuch, who's an outsider, who's a sinner, comes to know Jesus. From that perspective, we could also take away the idea that we too, just like Philip, are called to share the good news of Jesus as boldly as we can so that outsiders or any who might be labeled unacceptable or other might be able to hear the good news and change to become insiders or to become more acceptable to become part of the family. This is such a beautiful perspective. It's a descriptive encounter with both the written and the incarnate word of God. But we also get to experience our scripture from the perspective of Philip. We get to see that Philip is not just a teacher, not just the good evangelist who helps the Ethiopian eunuch with his conversion experience, but Philip is learning a lot as well. He's someone who is learning what a life of faith looks like post-Easter. When Philip encounters this Ethiopian eunuch, he learns that the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. Everything that Philip knows about insiders and outsiders, about piety, about depravity, about identity and belonging, all of those things are changed. And the Ethiopian eunuch isn't the only person in the story who undergoes a conversion. The spirit leads Philip to experience conversion as well. You see, Philip sees this Ethiopian eunuch as a foreigner, as a black man from Africa. Even though by the world's standard, this Ethiopian has rank and privilege as a royal official, Philip sees him as a powerless outsider as a queer man who doesn't fit into the social or sexual paradigms of his time or place. He is wealthy enough to possess a scroll, the scroll of Isaiah, and he is literate enough to be able to read it. But he lacks the knowledge and the context and the experience to understand what it is that he is reading. In another way of saying it, the unnamed Ethiopian eunuch occupies this in-between space, a liminal space of reversal and surprise that stubbornly resists our tidy categories of belonging and non-belonging. So what kind of a person reads Past the Torah laws in scripture that would say that he is not welcome or his body is not allowed to be present in the temple? What kind of a royal official asks some stranger on the side of the road to come and sit in his chariot, in his carriage, and to ask for help to explain questions that he has about his spiritual life? What kind of outsider Someone who's been rejected by religion sees a body of water and stops in his tracks and sees before anyone else, before Philip, who's supposed to be this expert in Christianity, who sees that body of water and interprets an invitation to be baptized. The word meets this Ethiopian eunuch right where he is and ministers to him. The scroll of Isaiah and the passage of a suffering lamb maybe give this Ethiopian man something to identify with. The way that he feels different from everyone around him. The ways that he feels like he maybe perhaps has suffered as an outsider. And then Philip shows up. The Spirit leads Philip right to meet the Ethiopian eunuch right where he is. And with the guidance of the Spirit, together, they open their minds and their hearts to what the Spirit of God has to say to them. Philip invites and shows this Ethiopian man that he does, in fact, belong as part of the family of God. He shares the story of Jesus which we all know is a story of inclusion and acceptance. It's a story of abundant love and radical hospitality. And then what happens next is so incredible. It's this question that this Ethiopian man poses to Philip. What is to prevent me from being baptized? What is to prevent me from belonging to the family of God? What is Is to prevent me from being welcomed as Christ's very own? What is to prevent me from full, absolutely full participation in the risen life and community of Jesus? What is to prevent me from breaking down the entrenched barriers and fences and walls and obstacles that have kept me at an agonizing arm's length from the God that I yearn for? What is to prevent me from becoming not merely a hearer of the good news, but an integral part of the good news of the resurrection? Well, what happens? is that this Ethiopian man asks that question, what is to prevent me from being baptized? And then there is a pretty loud silence after that question. And maybe silence is the exact right answer. Because the real answer for anyone who asks, what is to prevent me from joining the family of God, is nothing. There is nothing, there is no that can ever prevent a beloved image-bearer of God from being fully part of God's family, from entering into the fullness of Christ's salvation. Nothing. No thing. Full stop. So what do we, followers of Jesus, what do we, Northminster family, what do we, beloved community, have to learn from this story, from this beautiful interaction between Philip and this Ethiopian man? What more is there to say once the Spirit has spoken? How do we, the church, proclaim that silence, that essential truth that there is absolutely nothing to stop anyone from belonging to the family of God? How do we stop hesitating? How do we stop building those walls and those borders and those rules and those things that keep people out and away rather than drawing the circle wider and wider and wider? How do we continue to tear down the barriers that have been built up around the baptismal font or around the communion table or around our sanctuaries and our church buildings and around the beloved community of God that we think should be there? How do we consciously or unconsciously communicate the message that all are welcome? How do we stop othering people? How do we stop making categories and tribes and separating and sending people to their separate corners, but proclaim a message of radical hospitality, of inclusion and welcome? Here's the thing. None of those are easy questions. They're not answered without cost or consequence. But if we proclaim the truth of radical hospitality, the truth that all are welcome, then we have to ask those questions and we have to listen for the spirit. We have to listen for the answers. And there's likely the opportunity that we are going to need to change going to need to change a lot. And it's going to be hard and difficult and challenging and uncomfortable. Change will demand our hearts and our minds and the whole of our lives, often including things that many of us would rather avoid. But this is the work of conversion. This is the work of the beloved community of radical hospitality and inclusion and welcome. And we cannot ask others to do the work without a willingness to engage in the work ourselves. When we have opportunities to proclaim God's abundant love, how will we take them? When the Spirit invites us to the hard work of conversion and change and learning and the building of God's beloved community, will we listen and will we follow? When we find ourselves before water, before anything that invites us deeper into the family of God, is there anything to prevent us from stepping in and inviting others to step in with us? There is nothing. No thing that can ever prevent us from going deeper and deeper into the beloved community, into the joyous family of God. No thing. May this be so. Amen.